Psycho Steve presents. So, hi guys and girls and everything in between. This is your podcasting pal, Psycho Steve. I'm here on Hair Today Gone Tomorrow. This is the first of its kind. We've never actually done this type of interview. So, you are our, I guess you can call it our guinea pig. Yeah, sure. All right. So, we are very fortunate and blessed to have comedian, actor, vegan, because I heard you're also... Not vegan. anymore. Uh, I'm not currently retired? Retired vegan. No, I'm, I'm retired vegan. Yes, okay, currently. so retired That's vegan. A, but my diet gets even more interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, we can talk about that. Also, multilingual, mm-hmm. and of course, dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedian, actor. Yeah. I could keep going, but... Musician, you know, director. Musician. Right. Yeah. Uh, extraordinaire, Mr. Hal Sparks. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we are at the Hard Rock... Uh, Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, right? Yeah. Hotel Casino. Hotel yeah. Casino in Atlantic City, New just Jersey. In case you missed that part of it. And yes, we're only listening. green room. And if I look like I'm schmitzing, it's just because yeah, they were trying they to did not pay the AC. That's right. So they were, no, they're trying to they were trying to murder me. So oh. they, luckily they didn't check first to make sure that there wasn't anybody else coming in, and it blew the whole plan. So luckily <laughs> we came in and cooled the place off. It's it's getting reasonable in here. Absolutely, yeah. it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Before, you should have seen. Yeah. Yeah. A couple no. pounds of yeah. well, it. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, it works out. Yeah, because I see you on Instagram. I'm like, damn, I look like Pee Wee Herman stuck the whole next time. I'm like, how did you do that? You know, I'm just like, damn, I don't know, ain't nothing to it but to do it. Yeah, you know, I'm trying. Yeah. So I get winded when I run my credits. So I don't know. Sure, right. So, yeah. <laughs> opening the show. Like, yeah, okay, I gotta tap out. We'll back after this. Hold break. on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. So okay, we're just gonna get right to it. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you've been. And for how many years now? Thirty, uh, yeah, thirty-five. Okay, no, wait, thirty-two, thirty-three. Gotcha. So, yeah. who got you into comedy? Uh, my dad by trying to keep me out of it, I suppose. Right. Um, I mean, I, I, oddly enough, I mean, it does. Try, he was he used to try to ground me in high school to keep me from sneaking downtown to Chicago to do stand up. It never worked, but uh, and I, the. I guess the earliest idea where I was like, I want to be a comedian, right. was um, my dad is a bluegrass musician. He's an architect, but he's also Sweet. a bluegrass musician. What he does what instrument does he play? Uh, he plays guitar and uh, a little bit of banjo and mandolin, and um, and he fixes fret. He does fret work for a lot of well-known bluegrass players. Awesome. And they've been around our house all my life. I've just known a lot of country and bluegrass players because of that, and they've always come to my dad for instruments and blah blah blah. So my dad fixed an instrument for a buddy of his. And the guy couldn't afford to pay him, so he goes, but I'll trade you these four crates of records. He had like these milk carton crates just full of records. And he's like, I'll trade you that in exchange for the repairs and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And a full quarter of them were comedy records. And they were like, some of them were, you know, relatively new. Like at that point, it was like, you know, Toledo Window Box by George Carlin and and, uh, Let's Get Small, uh, Steve Martin, that kind of zone. Because it was late 70s, 1977, 78. And, but the rest of them were ancient, like, you know, either early 60s, 50s. There was even some Marx Brothers recordings on these, like, vinyl tin plate records. Just, it was awesome. And so I spent so much time just, you know, absorbing all of them and I would just listen to them endlessly and and then 
and basically at the end of it, I was like, all right, let's do that. Let's just be a comedian. Like when I was 12 or something, I was like, okay, I got to get out of Kentucky and then figure out how to, and my dad moved to Chicago for a job after my parents divorced. And, um, I decided my, uh, uh, freshman year of high school that I was going to go live with him not because I wanted to live with my dad at that time particularly I'd rather probably stay with my mom but I wanted to be I had to get out of Kentucky and Chicago seemed perfect nice and so I was there about six months seven months before I started doing stand-up wow that young yeah huh? and then I graduated high school packed all my shit in my car and drove to LA and uh because I was like that's where I gotta be I can go to New York or LA and at LA I can work more Right, and so uh, and it's a little cheaper to live. So that's that was my you know, at that time. Yeah, that was my decision point. Right. right. Yeah. Awesome. So, who would you say your influences are from being Richard comics? Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, George Carlin, um, and then of the unknown people like Godfrey Cambridge. Uh, I think some people may know him, of course, but um, he's a. Um, more of a 60s comic um, and then Shelley Berman's uh, kind of sketch records really had an impact and then you know in the 80s it was like um, Billy Crystal's a comics line really kind of opened me up to character pieces in your stand up and voicing stuff and not just doing impersonations but doing like being more flexible on right. stage with what you allow yourself to do um, and uh, and all I knew is I didn't want to be Bill Cosby and that was all that mattered. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, now on multiple levels, <laughs> right? But even then, like seeing Bill Cosby himself, I like really saw the genius of that special. But he sat down the entire time and barely moved. And I was like, this is not lively enough for me. This is as a Kiss fan, I cannot be on stage and not move around and make a you know all tree no bark. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, it was like when I saw Mark St. John because I was very blessed to see yeah. Mark St. John. Oh, wow, yeah. When he, was playing a kiss, yeah, and then when Bruce Cholick joined and everything, he just stood there for the first couple of shows. Yeah, he was just like pair, like, yeah, go do, do something. something, right? Yeah, move, move from around. the mic, yeah. grab a bunch of picks, or stick them on your headstock yeah. and move. Yeah, start throwing them at <laughs> people. Yeah, just interact. Exactly. These people are here to see us. Yeah, right. That's a tough one. I mean, it's it, it is tough to take, especially. You know, and lead guitarists are particularly tough on this one because they're usually the most introverted right. guys so that they spend the most time alone in their bedroom practicing and all this kind of right. stuff. And then you end up with like George Lynch, who basically had like stage fright so bad he did he would do entire shows facing basically. the amps. Right, right, and and you know, rhythm guitarists are like, I'm not good enough to play that stuff, but look at me, you know. Like, <laughs> and the same thing with bass players. Bass right. players is like, I don't want to work too hard. I just want the girls, and that's totally the genes that's <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> so. You know, and uh, like, uh, but like, lead guitar, like, uh, and he was one of those guys who like could teach, right. you know, school. And right. So he was that good a player. Mm -hmm. But getting there's a huge leap between the the doing and the performing. Right. And that's and until you can do it, and you can't perform it. And there's a there's this there's this window where you can't skip that time. It's almost like your nervous system gets cured like a, a barrel over time or wine or something. Right. You can't. Like, that's why stand up is about time on stage. Right. It, more than anything, it doesn't. You don't even have to do well. You just have to get up on stage and keep doing it because eventually your nervous system will be tired of sucking. And so you'll just go, like, can we be good tonight so we can go, oh, God, this is too hard, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Gotcha. So have you ever had stage fright? No. I've always been, I've always had the two greatest things a comedian needs 
arrogance and stupidity. <laughs> all, those are your best friends. Well, Honestly, I have it and I'm on the radio. There you, go, right. so there you go. Yeah, arrogance and stupidity. Are, is, are, so, and, and it's crucial. I'm only kidding slightly because confidence comes after you've done something. Right. Right? I'm confident now as a comedian. But when I started, what the fuck is your confidence based on? Right. Um, you know, there is nothing about this that says that I'm going to be good from scratch. Like tell, standing up on stage and making and saying I'm going to make people laugh, right, is an arrogant act if you've never done it before. It's an absurdity, you know. And so you have to be completely full of yourself to believe it, you know, to just get started. And most people lose it too quickly. They get up there, they get they get checked by the audience, right, and or heckled. And, yeah, right. Like and then they yeah they burn down too quickly. And you just gotta your arrogant has to last like a good six years I hear to you. burn you into the confidence thing but then it's stupid because technically speaking you're not going to make it technically the odds are against you gotcha so statistically you're, you've got a better chance of crossing a six lane highway at night dressed in black blindfolded than you do making it in any of the arts right. so welcome back by the way <laughs> <laughs> he's the smoothest chunky peanut butter I know we're going to keep that is he trying to break out of the I'll pretend that I'm not looking, but uh, all right. Um, yeah, right. Um, I thought the interview was going well. Wow. <laughs> just start crawling out of the room. As long as the microphones and the cameras, I don't care. But uh, but yeah, you have to be materially stupid to, right. to go up against those kind of odds and think for a second that you're going to make it. So you, you got to put that stuff aside. You have to go. Statistics have, aren't about humans. Statistics are about groups, and I don't give a shit about it, groups. Right. I'm doing me. And and uh, and so I've always had that, and it never went away. Thank God. Nice. Now, do you find yourself funny? Yeah, I'm hilarious, and I crack myself up. It doesn't happen on stage very often because I'm working. Right. But it has, you know, every so often. You have that I'll aha moment. Well, because sometimes you're, when you have an inspired joke moment, right. you're riffing on something, and I write a lot on stage, you know, and so I'll say something that just occurs to me as a joke. And it's so funny that I laugh at it, you know, because it's not something where you're like, oh, I'll take this idea and juxtapose it against this idea. <laughs> and, you know, it's you're almost doing it on autopilot. Right. So some of the stuff is literally inspirational moments. And so when those pop out, you're like, that's hilarious. Who said that? Oh, I said that, you know. Right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of comics do that, at least in their hangouts right. with their friends and stuff. You, you have to be. I mean, I know that a shit ton of miserable comics who not only don't laugh at their own stuff but never laugh anyways and it's such a job and they're they're like an old hooker who was like I started this because I like sex and now I can give it you know <laughs> here we go again yeah, you know? hard and put let's, away wet there that's right let's saddle up <laughs> I don't care what's your name uh, uh, you know exactly so yeah awesome were you a class clown uh, no, because you have to go to class to be the class clown. I was okay. the ditch clown. I was the guy who didn't show up. You have to actually... I, I once had... My math teacher in high school once brought the, once brought the whole class down to the lounge, the student lounge, to find me because he heard I was ditching class. Wow. And he literally like, we're all going to go get Sparks. And they all came down <laughs> and got me, yeah, and walked me, you know. And he was like, he thought this would be, you know, just shameful for me or whatever. And I was like high-fiving all the other <laughs> students as you know, the class. And all. That's great. Like, I'll escape again, warden. You know, <laughs> bullshit I was saying. Yeah, right, yeah. So, uh, but, 
but I was definitely funny in school. Right. But you know, I went to uh, New Trier High School, which is a you know, it's a big school. It's a public school, but it's you know, like a lot of rich kids go there. I was the poorest kid there by a wide margin. And the they have a theater department that's on par with Northwestern University. Like wow. they have a huge, we did a we did a production of Pirates Penzance with an entire pirate ship on stage, like a two deck pirate ship. Awesome. We did Brighton Beach Memoirs with a two story uh, apartment house building on it, so they could do multi level scenes. Took place on both. Uh, it was like insane. And so once you had a skill there. They'll put you to work. Like as a comedian, it wasn't like, oh, he's doing like uh, original comedy and forensics. This competition between schools or whatever. Like it's about like, all right, where's go downtown and start working, kid. Like wow. they have a real, a real blue collar approach to it, which right. I appreciate. And you were in Chicago. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So are you a cheap trick or an enough's enough fan or both? Oh yeah, I'm more of an enough's enough fan. Awesome. Yeah, I mean I love cheap trick. I, right. I do, but I grew up in a window where I really love. Cheap Trick and I know Chip now and right. that kind of stuff which is kind of cool and, um, and yeah but like just the strength record yes is fucking Phenomenal. it's Amazing, absolutely! Like it is a must record. It is. It is so. Definitely. It's one of my deserted island yeah. CDs. Like, yeah, I have like ten of them. And yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I love New Thing, and I love you know even the stuff that they've done after. Right. But but like and yeah, but strength. Just even that song as a lead in or whatever. But like you know Hollywood, you and all that. I mean, it's right. just a great record. Absolutely, it's so very underrated. Mm -hmm. You know, and I tell everybody they're Howard Stern's favorite band. Yeah, and like no, yeah, I'm like mm, they really, really are. are. Yeah, and I love. I heard an interview with them because I, I didn't know that for the longest time. I was like, "Who the fuck besides me knows enough's enough or right. cares?" And, uh, and and I heard this interview with them on Stern or whatever, and they were calling in because they had a gig in Jersey that night yeah. or something. And he he goes as he's hanging up with them because they're raspy. Their yeah, voices are like, yeah, right. And he goes, uh, "Okay, guys, well, have a have a good night. Uh, you know, go uh, gargle crushed clamshells or whatever you do before a show." Like, <laughs> Because their voices were yeah. so ragged out, you know, and I, and, you know, and uh, yeah, just I, I mean, Donnie's writing I've always been a huge fan of right. too. So they, I mean, they were amazing, right? Yeah, he's no longer in the band for I know that he's doing a solo thing, yeah, and he just got out of the hospital, so he's doing okay. That's a pretty much d d a rotating thing, yeah. And his heart. Chip is now doing enough stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know he's vocal and bass. And he sounds great. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, See, I talked to him about coming up and singing a new thing with him the next time I yeah? see him play. Yeah, awesome. You should get up and play guitar because you also play guitar that's true yeah right. speaking of guitar yeah how long have you been playing did your dad teach you or no you my dad got me an acoustic which is a guaranteed way of making your kid play electric right um, which is good um, I was in a band in high school right with my buddy Johnny and he uh, he you know it's basically all the guys who played you know they wanted to have a band right and they didn't want to sing because they were all guitar player bass player drummer whatever right. and I I'm the only person who knew all the lyrics to the songs they wanted to do okay so I couldn't really sing at that time I didn't I, I was not in in any shape to sing right. but I could bark through the lyrics and get it done right and then one day we were singing um, uh, you got another thing coming nice 
and it got to the in this world we're living in we have a share yeah. of sorrow I, and at the end of it um, I I did a little bit of a bravado at the end of the line like you're supposed to because it's on the record and that's just what you do and I was trying to do my best for the guys just like I'm just limping through this and John literally stopped the whole band and he went did you just sing with vibrato <laughs> when did you learn how to sing with vibrato <laughs> and from that point on I was like okay maybe I can actually sing let's try this and then while they would take a break they would go up and it was in my buddy uh, Mike's house and we would rehearse in his basement and then they would go up and just sit around the kitchen table and, and uh, uh, drink Diet Cokes till they were blue in the face and and, uh, and talk about songs or whatever and I would just sit down there with John's guitar and just learn little things so I would learn just like I think the first riff I ever learned was the A-Team theme because it was the awesome. easiest power chord no 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 I was like okay that I can figure out right Absolutely. and then I built on all that and eventually you know because started learning some articulation by doing you know crazy train and other stuff like that which is kind of the key ones for that and I'm a huge queen drag fan and started learning like really stretched chords nice and that was like okay i can't play as fast as some of these other dudes but for whatever reason i could sprawl out and position right. these giant jazzy kind of chords and stuff and and i'm a huge king's x fan so i started learning you know uh, like stuff that, that on their records to kind of teach myself around that you know the drop detuning and the extra like you know augmenting with the pinky way down on that part I was like oh this is stuff I can I do just amazing just yes. yeah incredible and you know and, and I discovered them because of Gene Simmons really? because it was an article and they, uh, in like a bass player magazine or something and he was like they asked him who do you listen to now who do you think are, you know is, is great now and he goes there's a band called King's X that's doing some stuff that's pretty damn neat I'll never forget the quote so I immediately went out and bought Gretchen, Gretchen. Um, yeah, Gretchen. Well, it was out. I found out of the Silent Planet first because Gretchen had been bought out because they only had probably three copies of it. Right, forever. absolutely. And so I bought that, and then I came back and got the other one, and I just ate it up. And Gretchen is such a oh my god, it's a bulletproof record. Absolutely, but just the band is just yeah, so amazing. Another yeah. underrated band, exactly. So I mean, we 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 always champion the underrated bands, right. uh, but yeah. So so those you know that was the that was the big part. And so I started when I was about sixteen, just piddling around at it. Huh? Then when I moved to LA. You know, um, I finally like got an electric that I thought was worth playing, right. and then really started sawing away at it, and writing songs. Do you still own it? Yeah, I do. Oh, really? yeah. What yeah. is it? What kind of guitar is it? Uh, it's an ESP. Oh, um, okay. It was a M2. Some dude had a busted headstock on it, and I and my dad fixed it. Right so I was like, I'll get this because it, it was expensive friggin' guitar. Yeah, they're not cheap. Still. No, yeah. And so uh, that was, and then I've been an ESP player largely ever since. I have a, I have some yeah. really nice Gibsons that I love. Yeah, I know you have this uh, one. I got this, I got this Zach Bullseye. Bullseye. Yeah, I've got the first like run of those. Um, and I'm gonna get a Wild Audio too because I like his stuff. And you know, the necks are just too friggin' fat. My fingers aren't long well, enough. You're also thinking, huh? A little smaller. Yes, he is. He's like, a, yeah. Well, it's like it's like a Paul Stanley guitar. I, I would love to have one. <laughs> of his mirror broken ones or whatever but he's a big dude too yeah. so he's got these big flat necks that look like you know like you're playing an eight string bass right you you're know? like John My Young from Dream Theater that's right yeah I know so. yeah so I, I, I you know the, the perfect guitar for me right. I finally after all these years found it it's right. the, the uh, ESP EC500 
hundred, and they don't make it anymore. They make the four seventeen or some horse shit, okay. and the one the thousands are fine, but the but the the uh, frets are a little larger, so I have to get I have to sand them all down to like get them kind of as small as right. the, like extra jumbos as opposed to the jumbo frets. And so the like, but the EC five hundred was like it was built for me, so they don't make them anymore. So whenever I'm touring, right, like I'll go into a guitar center and just see if there's a you know. Yeah. Well, a, I have a connection. One of my friends is the. Um, he does all the endorsements, for, mm-hmm. not for ESP, but he works for Guitar Center. Yeah. So if you want, um, those are the ones. Yeah. Anytime they find one, side. they only made white ones and black ones. Right. And I and the white ones are kind of pretty. I call them the clouds. I play the clouds, right. and then I have the the black kind of matte finish one. I've only found one of those that was in any decent shape and scooped that up in Seattle cool. last time I was doing stand-up there. Nice. So those that's my repertoire. That's what I write on. I've probably written almost every song I've ever done on an EC500. Cool. And it's just because it feels right. I believe every s- guitar has like 17 songs in it. Right on. They're all different. Absolutely. Yeah. And the tone and everything yeah, is yeah. different as They'll well. They'll talk to you differently, right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So from acting on TV mm-hmm. or movie, which do you like better? Between TV and movies? Yeah. Movies, you have more time. Right. So you can do the same scene over a couple of days, usually, if you need to. Um, because I've done so much acting on television, I don't need the extra day. Right. That's cool. So it becomes, if you're working with an actor who does, it becomes a little tiresome. Right. Because you see two days of them not getting a better performance, just doing it again and again and again. Um, so... Uh, they're very different. I mean, obviously, Lab Rats is is episodic and it's uh, multicam, right? You know, so it's it's a hundred. It's like doing a play. Sitcoms are like doing a musical without the songs, right? That's about the energy and about the kind of style that you're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, features and single camera television. Um, are almost equal these days on what people require from the performance, which is great. You know what I mean? You used right. to be a little bit bigger on TV and you know, and smaller in film, but now everybody's got giant television sets and they're doing. They've got really good cinema lenses. So if you're right. on, if you're on, you know, uh, Criminal Minds or you're on Walking Dead, um, it, you're having to turn in the same kind of performance you would in a feature film, anyways. And so I don't think a lot of TV actors get as en- enough credit right. for the quality. So. Um, it's really about the material more than anything because you can do a shit giant movie right. and a tiny nothing television show but that's just awesome you know um, and and it's yeah there's really no way for me to bifurcate those out yeah gotcha where would you put um, dude where's my car on dude, a scale oh uh, I, w- I would Is call that, that nearly nearly musical level acting it's obviously a heightened comedy style um but it's aimed at a specific audience. It's aimed at, you know, like kind of stoner crowd, just fun. And I, I have a huge love for pulp. I love, I love movies just for movies' sake. Um, I mean, it's great to be involved in stuff that has meaning and depth and length and all that kind of stuff. But there's just something to be able to know that the people who are watching what you're doing are just going to have a great time. And everything that they're worried about is just going to go out the window temporarily. And and Dude, Where's My Car is one of those kind of movies. You know what I mean? And, and that turned into a, like, a rolling monster of just cultural affect because yeah. like the whole Zoltan hand thing the pirates started doing that when they would hit you know hit a home run or hit a base hit you know the and and I ended up throwing out the first pitch with a, they gave me a Zoltan uh, jersey you know like it's crazy like and I I thought this up 
I made that hand symbol up for the movie because they didn't know they knew that they wanted some sort of like Spock like thing to do every time people said Zoltan but they didn't know what they were having a hard time coming up with what it was and so they put it in the call sheet like whoever comes up with this gets $24.93 and that was it. like a joke you know like come on everybody try to come up with this we'll give you $24.93 and that's it or something and uh, I still have the call sheet somewhere but I was like well shit it's my cult I should be the one to come up with it so I went home that night and I was like really racking my brain and I was like the initial one I came up with like two Spock things put together like that and then I was like nobody's going to be able to do that fast I'm you know weird guitar players can do that quickly but right. not, not uh, citizens and so eventually I boiled it down to just a big Z right in front of your chest like that and I was like this is the easiest thing and I was like um, and I'm like you can do this make everybody put their hands you know make it a big kind of like hail hydra kind of moment you know if you want <laughs> Um, but but eventually I was just like all it is is pow like that and they're like yeah we can teach that to everybody done and um, and so it became a thing nice and then you know flash forward a couple years later sitting in any given restaurant at a given time a bunch of 15 year old kids will walk by see me in a window run away then I'll run back and go Zoltan and then run away <laughs> like that's, that's awesome it is it's fantastic that's did you ever get your 24.93 I did I did they gave me a check <laughs> no, it's probably I don't think I, yeah I didn't awesome. cash it I have it somewhere <laughs> yeah. uh, alright so speaking of kids and everything mm -hmm. I'm a single dad of two he's happily married he has several kids yeah. himself you have a kid yourself yeah yeah seven does, yeah does he think you're funny oh yeah he knows I'm funny does did he know what you do? Like, like yeah, he's come. He, I mean, I brought him to the set for Lab Rats for the Disney show and stuff, and right. let him sit and watch me act, and you know, and and he know he knew very early on. Dad does funny voices. Dad's funny. Dad can make people laugh. Right. And and that's enough, you know, for like he'll whether he'll decide when because he won't think I'm funny when he's a teenager. Um, except <laughs> except when he watches my stuff, right. he won't think I'm funny in person. Right, exactly. But he'll watch my other stuff, you know, and, and he'll think that's funny. And I know he will because it's ab it's objectively funny, right? You know, whether he likes it or not. God exactly, you have to like it. Yeah, but he, um, I I started teaching him timing at a very young age. Right. So we would do these things where I would walk up to him and I would sit kind of idle up next to him while he's sitting right there, and I'd go like that and then pause for a second and do the same thing again and eventually he'd start going like that and we would time it at the same time so he would know we could kind of pin off of each other when we're awesome. doing whatever and so we'd both be going right at the same time and there was a point where he knew how to kind of trigger something to be funny right. based on that and so when he's walking and there's a difference between walking by and going hey man what's going on and I'm going Hey man, you know, and you can find where that where the wiggle room is for the funny part of that. You know, whatever you're doing, there's a funny timing version of everything like Absolutely. that. So I try to teach him that kind of stuff just so on a personality level. And he's great. yeah, he, he's he's awesome. He's so smart. It's great. It's scary what kids know these days. Like, yeah, you know, I had to watch a YouTube video. My oldest son's going to be ten in April. Yeah. My youngest son is going to be seven next month, and I they're doing math. And I had to watch a YouTube because the math today yeah. isn't like when we were sure, going sure. to school. And he's like, "Oh, it's easy." And I'm like, "Yeah, you show me." Sure. And he showed me. I'm like, "Huh?" I don't understand what you right. did there. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, "You got my personality, my looks from me. Yeah. Intelligence maybe from your mom. I'll right. give her credit for that." Right. But I'm like, 
I don't know. There it's was, like, oh, what's the generation? Yeah, you know, or something. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. We're all, you know, my my family. My dad's an architect. My mom's a nurse. Right. So we're all memory people. Like we gotcha. can remember stuff and we can organize. And that's it's very distinct that it's in the family. Whether you want to believe it's some sort of genetic run or if it's actually based on just behavior patterns because of their chosen professions. Either way, we live kind of a checklist lifestyle. And right. So it, it, I don't forget anything, and neither does he now. Like he's so good at at discerning out. Like, no, we said we were going to go Wednesday, you know, to the thing. And I'm like, yeah, we did, cool. And I, you know, I'm like, my my big thing is like, just don't bullshit your kids. Right. You can tell them you don't. You're not allowed to know that right now. You're too young. You need to focus on something else. You're not going to be able to comprehend it, so don't even start. And and that's okay. That's enough. You right. know what I mean? That's, being, that's me being honest. You know, your brain's not done cooking yet. You know, talk to me when you're 22 about that concept. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So, and I, I mean, he's just the greatest. He's just nice. awesome. Uh, so, have you been on to a concert yet? Yeah, his first <laughs> his first concert was Neil Diamond. Oh, right. So, Neil Diamond's daughter, right? Uh, her kids are huge Lab Rats fans, my Disney series. Okay. And so, by uh, meeting her at something, I was like, oh, wow, Neil Diamond's daughter, that's awesome. I, I love your dad. You know, my mom loved, had his records when I was a kid, and yada, yada. And she goes, well, anytime you, you know, she, go, she, she asked me if they could come to the set and uh and i was like because we talk more about labyrinths i was like absolutely we'll, we'll hook it up just bring your kids down you know you and your husband just bring them down and hang out for the afternoon and you can you know call action on something or whatever if you want and just and they were nice. the kids were flipping out it's great it's always lovely and so she said you know my dad's playing the hollywood bowl if you want to go um, when it comes up and I'm like of course I want to go it's Neil, it's Neil Diamond right you know hands yeah I'm touching hands you know and so much Madison Square Garden oh man yeah, yeah. so he um, so I take uh, Camden and uh, my son and we go to see Neil Diamond just me and him uh-huh. and we got great seats we're fairly close and uh, and Neil's elderly and kind of deafish now and he's got probably in ears during the whole thing so he's not even when the audience is screaming he's not even really hearing it you of know course, he just, but he's he just can. he's wandering back and he's like it's we're just getting across the stage you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, this walker yeah and I was like, at one point he did he did you know they finished a song and i was like when it gets really quiet yell hi neil as loud as you can because <laughs> he's got this tiny little cute six-year-old voice or whatever uh, at that time five-year-old he was five yeah and he just goes hi Neil like as loud and I was like I was amazed at the volume the child was able to amount you know and and uh, and Neil went that I heard (laughs) (laughs) and the whole place laughed it was great and he said I mean everybody could tell it was like a little 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 kid because his voice was so distinct so we had a great time that happened to me with uh, my parents dragged me to an Engelbert Humperdinck concert right okay I was the youngest guy there uh, and he has a daughter right. performs as well. Her name's Lauren Dorsey. I'm like, maybe, I don't know, 18 years old. And then my mom and dad are like, why don't you come with us? So I'm like, 
Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting in between them, and it was sponsored by the AARP or something. Right, yeah, sure. And I, I was the only one at the time I had hair. I was yeah. in the divorce. Sure. Understood. So, and um, everybody else had, like, gray hair or balding or whatever. Right. And he's like, I'm going to introduce my daughter, Miss Lauren Dorsey. She's going to come out and do a couple songs. Mm-hmm. She comes out and everything. I was just like, wow. And everybody stops clapping. I'm like, and I call my dad Homer because he's tall, bald, and goofy looking. Uh-huh. So I'm like, hey, Homer, she's fucking hot. Right. And she hears me. Oh. And she's like, thank you. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm like, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. I just said, Inglebert Humperdinck's daughter's hot. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> fucking hot. My dad, who she thinks is Homer yeah. from The Simpsons. Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, my first concert was Kiss. Right on. And, 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 and it was in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, no, it was in Kentucky. Lex- okay. In Rupp Arena in Kentucky. Okay. And, uh, my dad had... Uh, <laughs> My dad's uh, architectural office, he worked for the state, was right across the hall from the Kentucky Film Commission. Nice. And the Kentucky Film Commission, you like, you have to get permission from them if you want to film, and KISS films all their shows and has forever. Right. And so they got um, the, uh, we were just talking about this morning, but they, they got, the, the guy who ran the Film Commission was a born-again Christian, and wouldn't let, they, they comp you tickets to come to the show for the, giving them the pass or whatever, and he wouldn't even let the tickets in his office. He made them stick it in the file thing outside the mail slot, outside the door. Right. And he goes, Spark. I know your kid's into that satanic music. <laughs> you, you, you want them, you can have them. And so my mom and I went and saw the show. Awesome. Uh, what year was this? 1980. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you and saw Eric Carr. Dy- yeah, Dynasty. Right on. Right yeah. Up, right, yeah, it was just unmasked and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, right on. So it was, cool. yeah. And it was the Australian tour like, style of like what, how he sang the high version on D- uh, Detroit Rock City. Right. Which t- still to this day is my favorite version of that, you know. Um, and if you don't know what that is, you can go look up the, uh, from Kiss Exposed, the Australian clip of them yes. doing the, from in the... They get enough. Those, I, I've set a world record for this concert. Awesome, seven hundred three. Look at that! Wow. Yes. So well, I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I've seen every Not tour. Just the band, I was the fan club president. Too. Right on, man. <laughs> so Kiss I've Army. Been, yeah, I've been in a Kiss Army since I was whatever. When did we do it? Seventy seven. Cool. Yeah, and I've been at, you know for like every tour since basically. Nice. Are you going to the? Oh, of course. Okay. Are you yeah. going to bring your son? Yeah, yeah, okay. no question. Yeah, no so. question. And um, and his, you know, they did that Kiss Scooby Doo cartoon just recently, right? And that that was on heavy rotation at our house. And you know, and my Cam would sit in you know in his car seat and ask me to play. Uh, I was made for loving you, um, Shandy, huh? um, and uh, All Night was his favorite song for a little <laughs> while. Oh, I was just with Sean Bouvier. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, All Night, and we interviewed him, and then uh, his also- solo record drums along the mohawk is fucking great incredible just, yeah so he's just, missing kid yeah he's just, I'm missing the young wow, so. days and feel the heat which yeah, is on the Cobra yeah. soundtrack exactly you you good people <laughs> thank you so we definitely have to hang okay so uh, a lot of peeps don't know that you did have a band called Zero One still do okay I was gonna say yeah any chance of reviewing yeah music? no we have a we have a single out uh, um, now called uh, Strange it's on iTunes okay so Very we definitely want to yeah. play it yeah so and uh, we're go- we'll be doing um we got two songs we're doing in the studio right now. We're going to complete an album this year. So okay. anybody on it that we would know besides you? As players? Um, yeah. Like, you know, did the Steel Panther thing. I know you're getting friends with Yeah, Ralph, yeah. Or, um, sorry, Mike. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah Mike, sorry. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and, uh, well, and, and certainly... Um, 
Well, all those guys. I mean, obviously, I'm going to have uh, Doug Pennick produced our first record, right? Um, and so I'm going to have him sing on on the next one, right? Um, with me, um, we're doing a, a six song uh, EP called Monstroversy, which is six songs that by six different artists that were banned for six different reasons. Okay. Um, and so he's going to. I'm not going to say which song he's going to do because I don't want to give any of the songs away. But there, it's it's all songs that I don't believe deserved to be banned. Right on. You know, by you know even by t- the stuff that gets played today you're like really that got kicked off the air but this one right. yeah. so um, so I'm gonna have him play on uh, on one of those tracks too awesome so yeah baby it's cold outside that's outside. right yeah baby it's cold outside that's okay right. yeah. you heard it first all right now yeah okay um, and yeah I'm, I think I'm I think we might track that one just because <laughs> yeah I need to yeah absolutely yeah there's gonna be 90 versions of it by next Christmas you know that right yeah right yeah like the Judas Priest or like a Twisted Sister did a Christmas right. record they can absolutely. do it absolutely yeah, yeah. He actually been out of here for yeah, part yeah, of it. Uh, very many yeah, uh, twisted Christmas. Christmas. Oh, well, right on. Yeah. So that's great. I love D. And know, I was just with yeah. JJ and yeah. uh, Eddie Ojeda. Yeah. On Saturday. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Great guys. Uh, yeah. I, I like. I've always like. You know, when I got my first acting job right. in L.A., so my dad takes me out to L.A. I'm still in high school. And I get, I have a, I won the Funny Signature Chicago contest. I get to sign with one of these agencies that was there. Cool. And there were bigger agencies than the one I signed with, but the one I signed with had an office in LA. And I knew I'm going to make that transition. Now I'll have an, I'll already have an agent in Los Angeles. So that was my, I made that strategic decision. And so she's like, I can get some auditions for you if you want to come out during summer break. So my dad was like, that's what I'll do. I'll take him out. And he'll go on auditions, and he'll see how horrible it is, and he won't book anything. And then, uh, well, you know, he'll come home, and he'll realize this is folly. And I booked two things, and had to choose between them. <laughs> and um, and one of them was a commercial series, um, like a series of commercials, which would have paid more money. One was an acting job, which actually required more time, didn't pay as much, but I got a reel out of it, and that led. It was the Frog, this after school special I did. So, but we had to find somebody to drive me around. I didn't have my license yet. So my dad's girlfriend knew this woman. Her daughter was taking summer break or whatever. Da, da, da. Uh, so I stay at this house all during the week and a half that I'm shooting this after school special. And I only had two cassettes with me of music. One was uh, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. Of course. And the other one was uh, the Kiss Crazy Nights cassette single. Awesome. Which uh, had, I think, Bang Bang You on the other yes, side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And those, they basically saved my sanity the entire time because the woman that I was staying with, her daughter was 18 and was driving me around. And, like, the woman would start drinking at, like, 8 a.m. And, and I would be in my little bedroom that I was renting from them as her daughter was my chauffeur. And, uh, and I would just hear her going, He's 16 years old and he's got his life together better than you do. Like, the. <laughs> I'm sitting in the back of the car while this girl's like, fucking kid, blah, 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 blah. the whole time. But I was just sitting, and I was like, once the shouting starts, I would just put on my headphones and tune just out. listen, tune out, and just listen to Stay Hungry over and over again. Nothing wrong with that. Great album. Yeah. Speaking of cars, I yeah. used to be in the car business. All right. I need to know, what kind of car do you drive? I drive an FJ Cruiser. Awesome. I they bought, don't make them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Great truck. Uh, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I liked it because... Um, I got it right when my kid was born because right. I needed a new car 
and uh, I needed something where I could put a child seat in it and, right. and have multiple people in it at the same time. And I was like, okay, it's probably going to be an SUV or whatever. And I picked this one because it had suicide doors on it. Right. And I was like, even as he gets older, he will never be able to accidentally open the door. Right. It's not gonna happen. I fell out of a car when I was three and a half. I did too. I fell out when I was four. This is good. like it explains a lot. You know, <laughs> apparently the, the the main thing that happens when you fall out of a car at a young age is you become an enough enough fan. Exactly. And, and you like deep tracks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So and we saw a Kiss in the same year. That's right. And right there you go. I saw Eric Carr's first performance. Oh, that, that dude. That's July twenty fifth. I loved Eric. That was uh, was a sad loss. Sad. And the fact Absolutely. that he died on the same day, Freddie right. went and nobody kind of remembers that. Yeah. It's just sad. So. Um, and I can't watch the God gave rock and roll to you video now, knowing that he was like he knew he was sick and he was like, yeah, and he was wearing a wig. Yeah, he was just falling apart Big and time. that stuff. He, but look how joyful he looks in it. And, because um, he said, "I don't care. I'm going to play on this." Yeah, video. And yeah, he did. yeah. Because I saw him three days before he went. Wow. Yeah, uh, just was up in bless his heart. Yeah, and he's like, he was fine. He yeah, said he was fine. He's like, I'm going to beat this. He's like, I, I'm tired right now, but I'm going home. Yeah, and then he said, "I'm like, all right." I gave him a hug, gave him a teddy bear, and I'm like, uh, and he showed me the scar he had on his yeah. chest and everything. I'm like, bro, you got more hair? It, like Chewbacca's thumped up. Yeah, right. I'm like, I'll grow back. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And I'm like, I'll see you when you get out. Yeah. Just call me when you get out. Right, yeah. And then three days later, I turn on Kurt Lauder. Yeah. Like his name from yeah, Kurt Lauder, yeah. And as I said, um, you know, today, yeah. Eric Carr, former drummer. Yeah. Former. Yeah. You know, and then they showed it, and then that was it, and then they talked about Freddie Mercury. That was it. Right, right. I'm just like, wow. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, it like, was definitely hard. Because I mean, he 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 helped Kiss turn a corner into such a beautiful era for them, and I think it's a very underrated musically um, era for them, especially Creatures and and Lick It Up and well, this like, is drumming. Yeah, I know. Incredible. Just, I'm not knocking Peter because he had his own just style. The opening of Asylum. Right. Just like that, like literally, like uh, you know, King of the Mountain. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That never. That song isn't possible with Peter Chris as the drummer. I totally it just agree. physically isn't. It, neither is I love it loud to some degree. Even as simple right. as it is, it's just different playing style. Peter was always a light. Yeah, player. it's a Gene Krupa kind of style, yeah, right. jazz style. Yeah. And Eric was the Bono uh, style. God damn, he was. Oh, so. so good. We love you, Eric. Absolutely. Wherever you are, he's home. That's he's where he home. said he was going. That's where he went. Yeah, he is. So, in the FJ Cruiser, what's in the CD player right now? Um, I, you know, I don't. It, it has a CD player in it. Uh, I don't know that it has a a disc in it currently because most of the time I just hook my phone up and I, uh, you know, and I run off of that. Okay. And so, so the the current playlist. That's what I was just about to get to. <laughs> um, curiously enough, let's let's look at the like the one that I have. Um, probably running the most. This is my singing playlist, which is when I'm um, when I'm working on when I'm re healing my voice after a period of time. Um, uh, let's see. Actually, where's that one? <laughs> and do you sing in the shower? Uh, what is that old joke or whatever? Um, like ninety uh, percent uh, of all men uh, masturbate in the shower and only ten percent sing. Do you know what song they sing though? Uh, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> Um, so there you go so um, and yeah. or chafing I'd be a girl there you go that's right yeah. so um, it's a um, yeah it's a weird mix of all kinds of stuff including like uh, 
um, Them Bones, Alice in Chains, Inhaled by Big Wreck, Parade of the Dead by Black Label Society, Berserkers by Black Label Society, Hit the Lights by Black Tide, which is a cover that they did, uh, Let Me uh, Go Tell Somebody by King's X, The Real Thing, Faith No More, uh, Step Into the Light by Dust for Life, uh, Foreigner's Double Vision, My Way by Kiss off of Crazy Nights, Uh, um, Iron Head by Helmet, uh, A Man Exit, Hope's Fall. I'm free from House of Lords. Oh wow! There James Christian's been. There you go. Mountain Song, Jane's Addiction, Rocket Ship, War Machine. Nice. Uh, Wicked Sensation by Lip Lynch Mob. Uh, cool. Shortest Straw by Metallica, which has always been one of my favorite Metallica songs. Right. Uh, I mean, it's a list goes on and on. So it's a it's um, Schism by Tool, Fall to Pieces, Velvet Revolver. Tool's doing some shows this summer. Yeah, I just saw a couple of announcements. They're doing the Chicago Open Air. Mm-hmm. So yeah, keep it open. It's worth, yeah, it's worth going to see. I, yeah. I learned a very valuable lesson uh, about how Maynard from Tool writes songs. He writes a song about the worst person he can imagine, and then he changes the pronouns from you to I, right? And internalizes it, which I think is really fascinating. And so I wrote uh, "Mad Season" off of our first record. The first track on that record is written that way. Okay. And it's uh, it's about a drug addict, um, but I wrote it in the U form, and then I switched it to I. Wow, and 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 just using that technique to try and get the lyrics done on a record. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of Maynard and everything, if you yeah. had an opportunity to play with any musician, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, jeez. Uh, um, I mean, I would do a I, I would do a tour with Paul Stanley in a heartbeat. Um, I would love I would love to be his rhythm guitar player, you know, and that kind of thing, like singing backup if he was singing, if he was doing solo or whatever. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of people like that I have a lot of respect for that stylistically are all over the mark or whatever. Like Phil Collins, for example, I think it's a bad rap, and I think it's like he's written some of the most spooky, intricate songs ever, you know, in that realm. So uh, like, and he's old and touring again. And yeah, I was gonna say, have you seen this tour? No, I haven't. His but son's I, playing. Yeah, his son's playing drums, and he's like 17 years old. Yeah, it's basically he's doing this to introduce his son to the world as the next Phil Collins, which I think is a genius right. way to go. I wish Gene would do that with Nick, but... Oh, yeah, but Nick's less of a musician than his dad in some ways. Right. Just like, as far Sophie's as... Sophie's the one that's yeah. taking the reins now. Yeah, but Nick's great. Nick's a talented dude, and he's, right. he's you know, he's, he sounds great, and he's a mate, like, he's huge. He's six eight. He's a yeah. giraffe. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and Paul's son's amazing. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. seen him a couple times. Yeah, yeah he, he was in the band yeah. and everything. He's no longer in that band. Right. You know? He comes down to the jam sometimes and plays. Um, right. I think I want to get him to play on some of the. Zero he should. He's a great guitarist. Yeah, he He's great. You know. Um, so yeah. So like, uh, you know, there's a bunch of people that I would love to just sit around and watch them vibe out their own music. Right. Um, like that. You know. So yeah. But but Paul Stanley's obviously the key one. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. A couple more questions because I know you have to get going. Mm, I got a show tonight. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the show. Mm-hmm. December 11th through the 13th. Yeah, you're here in Atlantic City. Yeah, that's right. Uh, is that the only shows that you have? Yeah, for in Atlantic month? City. Yeah, in Atlantic yeah. City. Yeah, yeah. and then I'm done for the holidays because I just got back from China at the end of November and I crammed in some shows and then I go back out in January a little bit, okay. um, stand up wise, and because I've got posts to do on the show and then we go back again and like it's 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 a lot. I'm just crow barring whatever dates I can fit in. Right. Yeah. I hear you. Now you used to do a radio show too. Still do. I was going to say. Every Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And what's that show all about? It's a uh, political. It's a. It's called the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Uh, it's yeah. on a progressive talk station out of Chicago. Right. Um, and I 
I do it when I'm everywhere. When I'm on the road, I, I was going to do it at home. Track it? Yeah, no, I, I, it's live. Oh, right on. Yeah, so I tie line in um, and and take calls and all kinds of stuff like that. And I stream it on my YouTube channel as well. Um, so that's hence the mega worldwide thing because you can get it anywhere. Awesome. Um, and yeah, so it's but it's you know it's it, I, I I needed an outlet for my wonkier political side because I get kind of into the deep reads and the details of stuff like that. But I don't want my outlet to be my stand up because stand up is I think more humanist right. and has to be a little broader. And when you deal in pop culture like topical or or, or political stuff, you're making toilet paper. You're not making jokes for the ages. Right. And I th- I feel like you need to be able to write stuff that's kind of timeless as much as you can obviously there'll be stuff that's cyclical you know and I deal with some of the stuff that's going on currently but I try to do it in an evergreen way okay yeah out of everything that you do what is what are you drawn to more Um, out of all the outlets that you do with the music and and the acting and the stand up they all are so individual and this isn't a cop out answer it's a real answer it's like you know the, the, the analogy I use is what do you like better eating or breathing I'm sure you favor one until you can't do the other Right? Somebody makes you stop breathing. Right. Like, I love food. Until somebody makes you stop breathing, vice versa, right? right. And so um, stand-up is a singular art form. There is nothing else like it. It is you and a microphone. That's it. And that's the beauty of it. Um, the, you know, music is an elevated form of art. You know, making music and making tones come out of your body and out of your instrument while you're playing is like... It's not on par with anything else, but you're also relying on a band, everything working well. There's a lot of mechanical internal stress involved in just mm-hmm. the show happening correctly. Right. You know, um, even when you have the biggest rigs in the world, uh, your thing that's supposed to lift you up to the rafters can leave you. It's <laughs> happened. It's happened. I've right. seen it. That's right. And, uh, and the same thing with like with acting. Um, you know, you are. Uh, only as good as the material you're given and the actor you're responding to. And so there's a lot where that art is. I don't get to choose what emotion I play when I go to work. As a stand-up, I can talk about whatever I want, but there's a limitation. I can't do rage on stage as a comedian. Nobody can do rage as a comedian. You can do annoyance, and you can rack it up really high and have it be faux rage like Kinnison. Right. But you can't do you can't do real rage. <laughs> Once it tips into real rage, it stops being comedy. You can do rage when you're acting, but you don't it, it, unless that's what the scene in, invokes. Right. You can't come to work angry. And go. Oh, I want to play angry today. Like, it doesn't work that way. You play what's in the script and what right, we're shooting. Right. And music, you can do rage. You can do sorrow. You can do really heavy emotions or whatever. Um, but you can't do annoyance because it's petty. So, there, for at least metal anyways. Like, I'm sure, like, pop songs and, you know, and whatever. You know, it, it, you can do men at work songs and they can be about mild annoyances and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. But stylistically, the music I like is housed in real rough emotion Mm -hmm. real rage real anger real sorrow real you know desire Um, and so each so each of these outlets without them I'm not a whole person Okay. You know, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't feel like a complete artist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I totally. Yeah. So, any advice for up and coming 
comics slash actors slash musicians? Well, with comics, like I said, it's all about time. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Get on stage and just start sawing away at it because you're never going to be able to skip that middle part. And if you try and you get on, you get ahead of the curve where you're like, oh, you got famous on, uh, uh, you know, uh, Last Comic Standing or some shit like that, and you've got ten minutes and you got to go do an hour someplace, you're going to die. You're going to like it's your your career is going to eat shit over the course of three years and it happens constantly like look at all those people from Last Comic Standing who have a who went on a who weren't already established before they went on right who just hit a hard fade as soon as they because you can't skip the time um as far as you know acting goes if you think it'll take three years it'll take 15 if you think it'll take 15 it'll take five so it's better to shoot go I'm gonna do this Till I'm into my into two decades from now, right? As an and an, an actor, you don't have to give up once you're a certain. There's so many people who are like, I gotta make it, I gotta make it, and you're like, yeah, kinda. You gotta crack, you gotta actually show that you've got talent in a period of time. But like, to some degree, like, there's no twenty-something Brian Cranston that people look back on. There's no Anthony Hopkins where you're like, uh, you know, remember when he was a teen star? Like, it doesn't happen. You can start whenever you start. Right. There's tons of actors who didn't start till they were 50 or 60 or 70 even. And they're, and and largely those people are successful because so many people who even were successful give up at that window because they're known for being young and attractive or something and they just can't take the ego hit. Same musicians. Some musicians. Totally. Too. Yeah. You, know, you brought up Doug mm-hmm. Pennick and King yeah. Dax. They didn't start. They we're yeah, in it for a long time absolutely. until they really Jesus still was Mick Mars a hundred when when they started Motley Crue exactly I think so you should know attention now yeah right <laughs> you know um, so you know you you have to be in it for the long game because my here's my my advice to everybody be impatient with your long term goals and patient with your short term goals right. meaning if you want to be a star clamor at it day after day go for it but that means daily you got to you you got to rehearse. You got to practice. You got to improve your skill. You got to network. You've got to uh, promote yourself. You've got to lay those bricks every single day. So you're building that house all the time. It's like you're building a pyramid. You got to do it one brick at a time. You can't go, oh, I'll slap it together because it'll come down just as fast. It'll be made out of sand. Right. So you got to just go. And every day it's got to wake you up. But it's what it's got to get you to do. It's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym, like I'm going to finally work out, and then you injure yourself right away, you're fucked. You have to be patient with the day-to-day in the gym right so that your impatient goal of looking great naked or whatever it is comes way sooner and stays right on and this is from someone who looks great naked i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> I don't look thank you i'm driving it's okay yeah, yeah. all right last question plugs how, how can we find you? Are you on all social media? Oh, yeah. I, uh, at Hal Sparks on Twitter, at Hal Sparks on uh, Instagram. I have the Hal Sparks fang page on uh, on Facebook, but I don't use it all that much. I'm on Snapchat, too, as Hal Sparks. Uh, pretty easy to find across those. Anytime a new social media thing comes out, even if it's going to be a piece of shit, I now jump on it immediately so I don't have a squatter stealing my name. There's nothing worse than fucking having, like, God damn it, that Paul Stanley has to be Paul Stanley online. You know what I mean? Right. Or, you know, or Paul Stanley Live, I think, yes, is his thing Paul, or whatever. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, Kiss Online. Kiss, uh, the Duke Kiss Online. Kiss. Right. I'm like, 
come on, guys. Because someone owns KissArmy.com. Yeah. yeah. And they try to buy it, and he won't sell it. Yeah, right. Because he's, like, he's a douche. Yeah. yeah didn't, didn't Bruce Springsteen go to court for something like that, too? Mm-hmm. Someone else owns his uh, BruceSpringsteen.com. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at a certain point, like it's it, like the squatters are terrible. So as soon as something comes out, that's another thing. If you're going to be an actor, you're going to be a musician, you're going to be, whatever uh, goal you have, if it requires self-promotion of any sort and everything does these days. The minute you decide when you're in high school, get your name or or one version of your name that you will cascade across all things. I trademarked my name. There you go. Smart. Yeah, I, had I, it. I learned that from Gene. Yeah, he told me. Well, and, I had to buy my name Bach. back. My real name is Hal Sparks, but I had there was a Hale Sparks who was an actor in the '60s and '50s who retired, and he was at, he was still in SAG technically. Right. And his name was on there. You have to if your name is close to someone else's, you either have to change your name or get them to sign off on you know letting you use it because they're retired now or whatever. And he it, it, dude. Charged me fifteen hundred bucks. Damn! And that was all I made on my first job. Basically, I had to pay my to get my name out of hock, essentially. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but you know, but it, but I get to be an actor who uses his real name, and that's Sweet. immensely helpful. That is very helpful. Yeah. My real it's name is rare. Steve, but Psycho is just that Gene gave me that name when I was six years old. So. Oh, right on. Yeah, he called me Masugana and Psycho because that's when I first met him. I got all excited. Sure. I ran up to him like, oh my God, you're Gene Simmons. He's like, Masugana, yeah, right. Psycho. And I'm like, oh my God. I thought he called me a curse word. And I started right. crying. And I ran up to my dad. I'm like, Dad, he just called me a Masuga something and a Psycho. He's like, calm down. Let me go talk to him. Yeah. And my dad went up to him. And my dad's like, hey, Gene, I'm Steve's father. He was just really excited to meet you. He's like, tell him I'm just a mortal man, just like you and I. I might wear higher heels than your wife, more makeup than your mom, uh-huh. but just tell him to talk to me. Yeah. I think so I finally calmed down, right. back up to him. He's like, come here. He goes, picks me up, puts me on his knee and everything. He's like, oh, you're a heavy little fucker, aren't you? Yeah, right. He's like, so, you married? Kids. He's like, don't ever get married and don't ever have kids. Right. And he's like, stay in school though. Right. The more you learn, the more you earn. And there you go. And well, it's like because these stuck. There you go. I uh, when I was ten years old, right? Um, Colonel Sanders, the Colonel Sanders, the Colonel, the Harlan Sanders, right? Baked me a cake on my tenth birthday at his wife's restaurant in Lexington, Kentucky, Mrs. Sanders restaurant, and uh, he brought it out to me and he said, "Don't chew no becker and don't drink no booze." And I never have. I've never drank or done drugs in my life. Awesome. And as uh, you can attribute it to both him and the fact that Kiss didn't, you know, yeah, that, that Gene Paul, Paul didn't. Yeah. Right. And I was always inspired by that. And I, and I was ins- also inspired by the fact that the two guys that did got jettisoned fairly early. And I was like, all right, that's a lesson. All right. So still to this day, no drink. Nothing. Really? Never. So we can't do a shot of Jaeger? Nope. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Save Male mind to Doug Stanhope. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mail him a shot on, you know, into this from House Sparks. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Yeah. Well, also, I want to say thank you yeah. so very much for doing this. Absolutely. Uh, and then also your publicist, Penny. Yeah. And Sarah? Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah is great. Yeah. Help us yeah. facilitate this. Nice. And of course, Tim Louie here mm-hmm. at the Hard Rock. 
mm-hmm. hotel and, and casino, casino. Yeah, don't in think Atlantic you can't City. Come, don't come down here and just gamble. You can stay. Yes. <laughs> December 11th through the 13th, right. House Sparks and his website's HouseSparks.com. That's right. And like he said, all the forms is House Sparks, not yeah. Hail Sparks. Yeah. Don't get even confused with Hail Storm. Yeah, right. Hail Sparks. That's right. You know? That's right. So, oh. thank you. Dude. Very much, man. Absolutely. Yeah, pleasure. You know? Totally great. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, like I said, keep listening. Uh, tune in every Wednesday at 11, at 12.34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also on Friday on iTunes or anywhere Apple Podcasts are on. So you should listen. So I insist. Yes, please do. Yeah. You know, and we'll talk nice things about you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Psycho Steve presents...